is waiting on fries. That you don't get it. You don't. What do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries. But all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed, and then you're it's like, ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in, and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's gonna be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> they just know that their food's not there in the service, so they're still waiting on fries. I guess we're just waiting on fries. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this is kind of... It's partial Thanksgiving episode. Not even partial. It's full-on Thanksgiving episode. No, yeah. it's partial. I, I mean... So what part isn't about Thanksgiving? Well, we'll see each other again before Thanksgiving. Okay. We will. But this is the thing. Everyone has to be prepped right now for Thanksgiving because it's around the corner. And if you're not even thinking about it, if you're not even like... If you're not thinking about it by now, it's way too late. It's probably way too late. But they could potentially be in a good spot if they really ramp it up. It's Christmas already if you're not thinking about it. (laughs) You should be thinking about Christmas. (laughs) Correct. But on the last minute pressure time for guys maybe that haven't set things up, like let's just kind of quickly talk about Thanksgiving. I mean, it's going to be summer soon. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. They understand what you're saying also. Justin, you have your St. Patrick's Day specials lined up already? (laughs) (laughs) So let's just cover it. Just tell me first off what Smokehouse is doing for Thanksgiving. We're taking a day off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What are you doing in preparation for Thanksgiving sales? Sorry, this guy cracks myself up. (laughs) I mean, it just, it was, it was too easy. I had to just, (laughs) that was good. I had to just answer that way. I know. Uh, so what we did actually is do some prep work for everybody and we're offering a Thanksgiving turkey package. So we're smoking some turkeys, we're doing some sides, we're offering some cornbread, a little bit of help to get people out of the kitchen. We thought we actually have never done it before, but we thought this is a good year to capitalize on that with potentially smaller gatherings. You Mm -hmm. might see some people not want to go through the trouble that they usually go through if they have 20 plus people at their home. They might not want to cook, etc. So if we can just, you know, provide, you know, everything we're providing is good for about ten know, or less. I don't know if Cuomo was listening. <laughs> Eight to nine people. There you go. But you it's might have leftovers. some leftovers. <laughs> you leftovers. Know? Um, you know, so we put that package together, and that's what you get: turkey, a couple sides. So pick you're it up on Wednesday. A full smoked turkey. Full smoked turkey. Already carved or no? We actually have it. We're we're doing breasts and full turkeys. So mm. if you prefer just the white meat, you don't want the whole thing. Yeah. We'll do a smoked breast for you. That we're gonna do sliced. The full turkey, we're just gonna give you the whole turkey. So you awesome. still gotta carve it. Yeah. Are you but, are you stuffing them too? Yeah, we're gonna do the whole thing. Stuff that's it. Beautiful. The the right way. So how do you how do you guys make your stuff? Hundred and ten bucks. Can't even beat it. With all the sides and everything. How many choices inside do you get? You get three. It's mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, pork and beans, okay. corn, a little cornbread, and cornbread cake. Like you can get at the Chico's yeah. and, then the, and then the turkey. What's the price on something like this? Uh, just wheelhouse, considering I haven't looked at Cost suggestive price. prices about anything. He just said 110 Yeah. 110 Like our price. Yeah. Okay. And that feeds eight to nine people. Yeah. It's a 12 With to 14 pound burg, you know, so whatever you get out of that. When you come into a restaurant and you have eight to nine people sitting at any single table at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day or whatever point in the day that they're sitting at the table, what's that bill come out to typically? 400 bucks? 
when you talk about all the yeah, meals. If you have eight to nine people, yeah, it should it's be like around four to six hundred dollars. Hundred and ten bucks for yeah. feeding eight to nine with all these sides sounds like a fantastic deal. With leftovers. With leftovers. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Six people <laughs> but with the leftovers. I mean you're not including any cocktails or bourbons or something like that, which yeah. would which would eventually get that price up. Are you there. gonna sell any large scale cocktails to go with us? I mean, we're, we're still doing the pints in the court, so mm-hmm. not, uh, we have, don't have anything planned extra as cocktail-wise. Tell me how long ahead of Thanksgiving you started taking pre-orders for these turkeys. Uh, about two weeks ago. So we're three like three no, weeks. November first ish yeah. area? No, yeah, yeah, right as soon as we hit November, we started doing it. All right, so you give yourself 25 days to get prep, get momentum going on this thing, yeah. um, getting the promotion out there, that way people see it. How many are you actually cooking? Like, how many people can order this before you've decided it's too much to we're, handle and we're sacrificing the restaurant? We're capping it at 10. Okay. So we're not going crazy. Yeah, we're just okay. like, we got 10 birds. That's what we're cooking. That's what we can handle. Because Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be open. We're going to be closed for Thanksgiving. But Tuesday and Wednesday are, are busier days traditionally. Yeah. We're not going to get the Thanksgiving Eve push that we usually... I wonder what that's going to look like this yeah, year. So, super curious. But you'll still get dinner. You'll still yeah. get people... You know, ordering out or whatever, so we can't fill our smoker with 10, 10 turkeys and be able to keep up with the rest of the day. So we'll, we'll do that um, because you know. they are smoked. It's the smokehouse. It's not just we're putting it in the right. oven and we're throwing it out at you. This is something that people are coming. I feel like I'd pay like one hundred and fifty bucks for this turkey if it was a smoked turkey like yeah. that. You're a good guy, yeah. man. You really do give people deals sometimes. It's what you gotta give them what what, the, what they need. You know. Thanksgiving. Right. So yeah. it's Thanksgiving. The benefits of the pre-order, though, are that you're, <laughs> what, filling in the sales that you wouldn't have on the day that you're closed? I mean, you're definitely not going to fill a day's sale, especially we're capping it at 10 no, Especially 10 not turkeys. $110 a turkey. You know, sir. $10 turkey. But, you know, it's a little bit extra. And You're able to do something nice for yeah. some people who might be able, might appreciate it. You know? And, it, you know, it slightly becomes a little bit of a marketing cost because, exactly. you know, if the eight to nine people max that people have at their homes on Thanksgiving – Say, hey, where did you get this turkey? It's you know, it's good, exactly. whatever. They tell them about smokehouse, maybe you expose yourself or whatever. You become part of their family uh, event or something like that. It gives yourself it lends yourself a little and most familiarity. Places, most places aren't open on Thanksgiving anyway, so if they're gonna pick this up, it does happen on Thanksgiving though. No. We're we're smoking them on Tuesday, cooling them. Everybody's got to pick up their stuff on Wednesday. We are not coming in on Thanksgiving. So you essentially <laughs> At all. stamp them with a cute little, put this in the oven for yeah, 20 Mike, minutes Yeah, or Mike whatever. wrote up the whole, you know, prep, you know, how to prep it and all that stuff. So that's a, that's a win. And then people get talking around the table, only six of them max, I think, at this moment. Uh, and they get talking about where the turkey came from, and they yeah. go, oh, man, those guys smoke that stuff? i got to check this place out. I've yeah. never seen it before. You can spend 45 minutes putting together a Thanksgiving dinner instead of six hours. So. That sounds like a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and nobody to have to clean anything, too. Uh, Nooms, you were saying a little bit earlier, too, that you're going to do something interesting this year with the turkey. Yeah, well, so I'm doing something interesting with the turkey, but I'm also getting the turkey from... Uh, I mean, I'm getting it from a butcher shop. It happens to be my cousin's butcher shop that he just opened up in Astoria, Queens. Shout out to my cousin in his nice. butcher shop, Prince of Boo's Butchery. But um, he's getting his turkeys from a farm in Jersey, and he's getting them all slaughtered um, like two to three days before we pick them up. So it's going to be a completely fresh, never frozen turkey, and I'm excited for that because I believe every turkey that I've had thus far has to come in frozen from a grocery store or something like that sure i mean they're putting out so many turkeys you have to go somewhere straight to the source if you're going to wind up getting a fresh turkey i feel like i guess then like and i will interject our turkeys are fresh confirmed mike just confirmed yes Uh, well that's cool so where did you did he confirm where you got them are you getting them from like fossil farms or something um it's coming from new york new york prime 
Okay. I, I'm not sure of the farm. Yeah. Okay. And now in doing this, what's the difference really? You, you don't so, have to thaw it out like most people do. I mean, do. obviously I'm never going to have to thaw it out because it's not going to be frozen, but I'm assuming that it'll probably be a fresher tasting, cleaner, juicier bird. Okay. I'm hopeful, you know? Yeah. Uh, you would and, assume something that was slaughtered days before you cook it will taste a little bit better than something that was potentially slaughtered and frozen months ago and just been sitting there waiting for someone to cook it. Sure, that makes sense. I go to the grocery store every single day and I buy things that day. I never throw yeah. anything in my freezer. My freezer's empty. It's got ice cubes in it. That's weird. My freezer's right? full, always. I don't know what you put in it. I don't know what to Usually put in the freezer. Meat, so I can pull something out yeah. and be like, I'm going to cook this for dinner. Oh, I just go that day. Any type of food. That's like wasteful. On what? Gas. The very least? No. I'd rather have the meat right there thawed out already. I don't have to do anything. I grab it. Jay, you can't it, argue that it. you're not wasting gas if you drive to the grocery store every day of the yeah, week. Yeah, I'm not worried, if, I'm not worried about the grocery store trip. It's like you're three blocks away. It's all right. I'll waste that gas. You're wasting energy as well. Uh, also, I then go all the time and I just get my vegetables and that's it. I don't, Still do just, that I don't keep shit in the fridge, man. Why do you even have a fridge? Yeah. <laughs> well, because the milk goes bad uh, if you don't put it in the fridge. Well, so then why don't you just downsize and get a fridge without a freezer? Yeah. It'll probably save me a lot in electricity. Hotel fridges. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, though, and Newham's you yelled at me last week about my knives. You know, my lady. I didn't yell. I was just trying to help you. My lady got me this beautiful magnetic knife. And yeah, I definitely wasn't even talking shit. That I, I put it like, onto the cool. wall. No, I, follow me here. That I put onto the wall, and I waited until I had a beautiful wall to put it on. Now we have the beautiful wall to put it on. I hung this thing up, and I took a picture, and Nooms goes, I'm concerned. And I'm like, <laughs> what, man? It's pretty sturdy. It's not going to fall off. And he goes, no, the quality of your knives. And I was saying that as a friend, like, we could talk about getting you some nice knives. Understandable. Now, two years ago, when I cooked the turkey, I was like, I got to get a carving knife. I got to get something sharp. And did you, get one, those, did you get one of those, like, battery-operated electric carvers off of Amazon? No, man. Well, I look like Al Bundy. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> you were thinking about it, though. So, so gas-powered. <laughs> so, I, I pick up off Amazon, a little carving knife. Things sharp. I, it did the job for me. And Nooms just laughed at me again and said, you're not... You don't need that knife. You just need a knife. I don't so think talk to me about carving. Enlighten us. I don't think you need a specific carving knife. I mean, you just need a good knife that you're comfortable with. A sharp knife. A longer blade would be preferable, I guess, for this situation. Um, but no, I mean, I don't think you need to buy a specific carving knife. And when I'm carving a turkey, usually I've got the whole turkey sitting in front of me, breast up, obviously. We'll take off the le- the wings, then we'll take off the legs. I love he said obviously. We don't know these things. I don't know these things. Well, you that's know why these I said things. it. That's why I said it. So breast up, we remove the wings, we remove the legs, so then you have those pieces sitting there. You take the wings out first. You would naturally know to put the breast up. Yeah, it would be weird uh, if no you didn't. No one would have to it would tell just you. be like rolling yeah, around. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway, so you wings take the wings off. off first. Yep, so then you take off the legs. Wait, you just took this thing out of the oven, super hot? You let it sit at all, or what? So, yeah. If you're pulling it out of the oven. I don't know anything. I'm a Nooms, dumb guy. Nooms doesn't have any feelings as his hands. <laughs> you just pulled it out of the oven, put it on the counter, pick the turkey up. No, but no. You pull it out of the oven, you let it rest for a little while. The amount of time you let it rest for will depend on how long you cooked it for. But you let it rest covered somewhere warm so it doesn't get too cold. Pull it off of there, put it onto a cutting board. Remove the wings. Remove the legs. The legs you can separate then from the drumstick to the thigh portion. So now we have uh, four pieces plus the wings, or up to six pieces, and you have that large piece, which is like the breast and the back. From there, I would, I think, probably cut the two breasts in half, and then slide underneath the breast to remove it from the ribcage carcass sort of thing. So then you have the two breasts removed from the carcass, and you can leave the so carcass you're there. you're not carving the breast in slices not while, while it's, it's attached, on there. no. You no. take it out. Yeah. See, growing up as a kid, my grandfather was always the guy slicing the turkey up, or carving the turkey. He always wound up just carving it right in there. 
He took forever. I slid and over, grabbed a handful of pieces. It was like not the nicest pieces because you got to think if you're going to cut it while it's still in the carcass, you don't have a flat area to put your knife down each time. It's going to go into that hole where the ribs are. Yeah, yeah. okay. No, so you're remove, making sense. Remove the breast, lay it down on a cutting board so you have a flat place. And slice into so you need, a, you need a sharp knife, though, is what you need. For sure you need right? a sharp It doesn't knife. have to be a carving knife. You're no. saying it could be any knife, really. The knife I told you about, this is going to sound like a plug for Meeson, but Meeson makes a $65 chef's knife. It's a beautiful knife. Okay, 65 bucks chef knife, cool. Yeah. That should be maybe an average price in what you're paying for a yeah. decent knife, you would think? Because uh, prices in relation sometimes. Yeah, so I mean, like, my coworkers used to always shit on me for that knife, but I liked it. Uh, if you want something a little bit more fancy and flashy, you can go to corin.com. They have a whole bunch of knives and whetstones and ceramic steel sharpeners. He's getting, paid. About. He's getting paid on the side. Corin <laughs> and Meeson, they're both sending me a check. Right, promo so promo code Nooms. Take the meat. <laughs> and, and that's the biggest, I think, concern and thing that maybe guys don't know about then is take that breast off the bone. I think it would help before you, you really start just cutting it up. Yeah. See? Look, all of a sudden I just Chance. got better. I just got better at doing something. Next time yeah. I cut turkey, I'm going to be like, oh, Nooms told me I need a sharp <laughs> knife. And I also got to take this thing off the bone. There you go. Uh, and then... So once you carve this thing out, how do you keep it warm without it getting dried out? You put it back in the oven, just put a top on it? Or are you just serving it out room temperature turkey? Just, you should be carving it when you're serving it. Yeah. Oh, at that moment specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the carving process always took so goddamn long. because you don't know what you're turkey, doing. Most likely because you had a dull knife. All right, so other guys with dull knives that don't know what they're doing, is there a way to keep that turkey warm as they're like carving it out? Don't carve it until you're going to serve it. Yeah. <laughs> is there a way to keep it warm? I mean, unless yeah, you have yeah. some fancy, expensive heating lamps once, in your kitchen, once you, probably well, not. <laughs> yeah, once you carve it, it's gonna dry it's gonna out. Cool off and dry out. Yeah. All right. And, and I don't want to argue about this right now. I mean, you know, I guess. I guess you could. You could. Um. You know, baste it. You know, if you wanted to, and like. I guess, and I mean, also you could have a sterno and a rack set up with some things yeah. there, so you could put it into a hot tray. I guess, but it's still gonna dry out eventually. Okay. Typically, if I'm carving a turkey, it's because everybody's at the table and we're about to eat. Yeah, we're about to eat. Yeah, I was going to say, all I want is like 15 minutes of like light warmth. I'm not asking to recook the turkey once it's carved, you know? Usually, that, yeah. But we make everybody sit down. Yeah. And then I. And then you start carving. Slice the turkey. Let's put our argument to somewhere. It's not an argument. It's no. Not an argument. This, let's talk about the <laughs> stuffing, though, because oh. that, you know, that's another pinnacle. That is an argument. argument. That is for sure. An that's argument. an argument. Are yeah. you, you know, are you doing your stuffing with sausage? Are you doing your stuffing all fluffy and everything loose nothing held together like no, what so, are these beliefs so there's there's my mother always made traditional <laughs> bread stuffing and i thought that was all that ever existed exactly and so i started up, yeah yep. and you grow up and people started giving me other things <laughs> and i'm like, You're like what is this what nonsense? is this why are you putting this in my turkey <laughs> so yeah i mean so it, apparently this is like a sausage stuffing it's all like Meat and stuff like that. That's right. very Italian. Right. So then how did you feel about the stuffing that we used at Smokehouse when I was there? The the sausage and cornbread stuffing? Okay. I liked it. Okay. I liked it. Right. Because it had a good good ratio of the bread to the, to to the, the meat. meat. Yeah. You know, but I've had these sausage stuffings that... Where it just like crumbles and, and falls off sausage. your fork. Yeah. yeah, it's just meat and seasoning. I'm like, it's so not stuffing. It's my just... mom makes a stuffing very similar to that. She'll do like turkey sausage and like peas and whatnot. It's very loose. It's tasty if that's what you grew up eating. Right. But then I grew up and I had other stuffings. I'm like, I don't need to make that. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the argument of like... The sausage and the stuffing. I mean, it's such a gluttonous holiday as it is. Like, I don't feel like I need the sausage to be inside the stuffing. I'm fine with no sausage in the stuffing. You definitely need some kind of meat. But I think that it should be, I think that it should be bulky bread at the end of the day. Uh, and I think that helps things out. At, because that loose just takes up so much spot on the plate. 
and I need more space on my plate for all the other things I'm about to put on. So you're saying you prefer a stuffing with no meat in it? So it's just like bread? Yeah, just like the bread, some veggie That's stuff. That's not what you, what you were talking about, right? Just, just, just reverse. <laughs> just reverse for a second, because now I'm getting confused. <laughs> Me too. I don't need meat in my stuffing. That's all I'm saying. So your yeah. stuffing should just be bread. Yours is no meat too? Yeah, the traditional bread stuffing. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's like celery. It's carrots. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I guess onions chopped up in there too. All right. I, I've never had that. I disagree a little bit. I think, I think it should have bread and meat. And see, this well, is the argument. But you that's think, why I liked the one we made at Smokehouse. It was okay. it was like a hybrid. Yes. Yeah. But if you're going to ask me my preference. It's just bread? The bread stuffing all the way. Never had that. I'm with the bread stuffing. And I'm with the compressed bread, not like the super airy bread. Right? That's not what yeah. we want. Uh, here's your next argument that you have at the table. <laughs> and honestly, nobody's going to have this argument at the table because you're happy to be somewhere around people. I know where you're going to go. But before you do that, there's a little mini one before that. And it, it's with the mashed potatoes. Okay. And there's, we do, you know, mashed potatoes or gravy, or mm-hmm. do we do sweet potato mash with the marshmallows? Uh, yeah. And we don't have either or in my families. We do both. And yeah. it's optional. Because yeah. when I was a kid, I actually hated sweet potatoes and marshmallows. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Right? Yeah. But recently, I'm all about it. It's all no. I want. That's the we only way I'll up, eat them. grew up with the uh, sweet potatoes and the marshmallows. That's the only way I'll eat them. They gotta have the marshmallows on the sweet potato, or I'm not nice touching. Nice and lightly it. toasted brown, and just perfect. Yeah, yep. Perfect. You know, yeah. I, that's an argument in itself. And here's the real thing that we need to nail down here: the cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce out of a can, always, always, always. I'm with that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. He just I didn't. Did I a, made from a. I made for a boring segment. <laughs> he did a hard head shake. Uh, Nooms. When you make cranberry sauce, and I've done it so myself. I don't, I don't make cranberry sauce because you don't need to because you just go buy a can for 69 cents. But <laughs> if you wanted to be extra and make cranberry sauce, yes, it's possible. So No, it won't be as good. No, we know that it's possible. What do you put in cranberry sauce if you're going to make it? Because the stuff in the, clan, the can, the clan, the can <laughs> is clear and transparent. You could kind of like see through it a little bit when you slice it. Yeah. There's no anything. So if I had to guess and try to figure out how that was made, I think I would start by dissolving sugar and Do- water. Well... Don't guess how the canned one's made. How do you make cranberry sauce, period? Well, so let me finish because I think you can take a homemade cranberry sauce and do some stuff to it to make it look like the canned stuff. But so this is, I would dissolve um, sugar and water, add your cranberries, cook them till they're like ready to pop open, um, add whatever seasonings you're going to add to it. So if you want to be extra, you can add like nutmeg and allspice and all sorts of other nonsense. But if you just want to be straight up, I would just do cranberries, sugar, water. Uh, maybe a little bit of orange zest. And then if you puree it and make it real smooth and strain it, I think you could probably... Then pour it into a can, let it sit in your fridge and harden up, and you'd have something similar. Enough of all that cranberry sauce shit. I don't want to talk about any more Thanksgiving stuff. There's way more important things that we could be talking about. There's 100% better foods we could be talking about right now instead of cranberry sauce. Culturally, like, forget it. We do this every November. You know, we do all the founding father staples of all these turkeys and the stuffings and the cranberry sauce that you just gave us recipes on here. Let's go somewhere way further. How far are we going? Let's take it down south a little bit. How south? Peru, maybe? Peru. Yeah, that's pretty far out there. I know nothing about Peruvian food. I know nothing about Peruvian dishes, culture. Well, that's fine because today we have somebody here who can tell you all about Peruvian food and all about what makes it so wonderful. Is his name Fabian? Is his name Chef Fabian Marquez? I think it is. I think it is. Does he run the Latusian food truck? That, that you he see does, cruising indeed. around? That makes him so special for running that wonderful you, you food truck. You guys are such tool bags. 
<laughs> Fabian's in the building with us today, and he's going to tell us all about what it's like to start a food truck, all those hardships and crazy things that you got to figure out, Peruvian food and special dishes, because he's really boasting out there that he might have the best Lomo in all of this area, right? I believe it. Talk fingers to crossed, me. Fingers crossed. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the lomo first off before we go anywhere. All right, so uh, lomo saltado is a beef stir fry with onions and tomatoes. Traditionally, it's a beef stir fry with onions, onions and, and tomatoes. tomatoes. I'm slow. Uh, there's we a got little it. soy sauce in there, and it's uh, traditionally served with French fries and white rice. But I took it, I took it somewhere else. Now, since we're a food truck, I said let's just do loaded fries. Yeah. I have both options, but that's where I come in and I, I uh, invented the lomo fries. With our signature sauces on top. Your sauces are kind of special too, because that's what make the pictures on Instagram pop. Oh, yeah, you got definitely. all these it's bright, like vibrant the colors, yeah. something like that. You know, it's just very, very colorful, very bright, vibrant, and and strong flavor. So when you're like, I did some soft research talking about the Lomo here. Yeah. And I see that there's like two very different ways to have it served, where it's like very, I guess, stir fried, where the rice and the fries are all tossed in with everything. Mm-hmm. And then there's another way where everything is all separated, like a child's plate where they don't want the food to touch each other. Yeah, that's more on the gourmet side. Like if you have like a nice high-end Peruvian restaurant, they'll have the rice, the crispy fries on the side, and then the lomo. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's separated like for a child. But it actually works out. I kind of like it that way um, because uh, you can get the crispiness of the french fries, you know, instead of putting it on top where you'll lose a little bit of the crispiness, but but it's... all, all around is great. It's really good. So. Why French fries? Is there like a cultural reason why French oh, fries are stable? Yeah. I mean, potatoes in Peru, there's like thousands yeah. of different types of potatoes in Peru. So those hand in hand together. How do you know? I mean, I'm sh- are there really like thousands of varietals of potatoes? Oh, yeah. So how do you know which potato is which? When I go to the store, I see the red ones. I see the white ones. I see like a bag with multicolor. I like using those in the morning, you know, when you make a... Uh, Home fries? Yeah, yeah. Because the, they like, look little marbled pretty. potatoes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nothing gets your girl happier than when you make <laughs> those home fries in the morning. Yeah, and yeah. smells that and then sees it all with all the beautiful colors on it. How do you differentiate what the potatoes are? Like, I mean, all, all potatoes have a distinctive flavor texture-wise. I mean, depending on what you're making. Like, if you're going to make a, a, a whipped mashed potato, maybe use some Yukon Golds. They're, like, very, like, uh, fluffy. Smooth and creamy. Smooth and creamy. Yeah. Yeah. So it all depends on what you're cooking and what you're making. Do you have a preference, so. Nooms, on potato gold? I mean, for, <laughs> potato gold. For mashed potatoes, just like you said, I definitely use the Yukons. It depends on what your final outcome is going to be. Like like you said, potatoes are different, so some have more moisture content than others. Some are going to be more starchy. So if you know what you're looking for in the end, it'll help you choose the right potato to my start My wife with. says russet potatoes. The for uh, mashed potatoes? That too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a it's r- choice, but, you know. A russet's also like the cheapest of the potato bunch because they sell them by the bag. I'm not sure about the cheapest, but they're probably up there with the cheapest. Russets, people say, use for, uh, not russets, they use Idaho for French fries. We were using Idaho's, not the russets, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, they all have For fries, yeah. 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 So, Fabian, though, what's your go-to potato? Um, Idaho. Idaho potato. It is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're okay giving that secret out. The but next you guys, truck next You guys year. also have those uh, purple Peruvian potatoes, which are special. Which are really nice. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy those Are a those lot. similar to... Like the Duff. one that Chris uses in the hopper truck? For yeah. The- um, so Filipinos have a purple potato called an ube, I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about what the difference in characteristics are, but 
two different varieties of purple potatoes. Yeah, I really don't use it that much, but uh, whenever I can, I would. Yeah, because you throw it, it in there, it just some, changes everything up. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine that those purple potatoes are far more pricey, too. That's like, an, that's an export, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, guess definitely. so. I mean, you're not just getting you're that not find them find them bag. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. go to any yeah, supermarket and find them. Next thing you know, people are waiting on your food truck line, and they're screaming <laughs> why the prices go up $3. <laughs> well, like, we used those purple potatoes in Neuro once for that the very first mixed grill we did. Remember, it was a purple potato croquette? I, I don't remember it. Oh, it definitely happened. Mike will remember. Mike, maybe Mike will. <laughs> Before we jump into the food truck talk and all that, you started earlier in restaurants. That's where you first started cooking kind of professionally, right? Yes. And you weren't... I'm Moroccan, 50%, okay. to explain things, where I'm going here. And as a kid, every time I would go to Morocco and I would try to get up into the kitchen, all the girls would shoo me out you know, giving me little whips to the bottom side to, to tail out of the kitchen. They don't like really let guys kind of come into the kitchen. And I yeah. feel like culturally it happens a lot. I mean, even here, you can't go into the kitchen and snag up Graham's cooking while she's making shit. She kicks you out of the place. I didn't have that problem. You didn't? You were able to be in the was, kitchen? I was able to be in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> and you were able to do that too? I was able to with my grandmother. Yeah. Were you able to be in the kitchen as a kid, Justin? No, nah, my, my mother had a very strict L thing. <laughs> Yeah. She called it the L because we had like the island in there. Blockade. Was, like, I wasn't allowed to go in the L. She <laughs> said that's restricted area. That's it was funny. the only time she ever got mad. I was like, get out of my L. Really? All right. Sorry, mom. So then coming in though, then you had the sight of people cooking around you forever. You kind of saw the do's and do's nots, if you will. Oh yes. Uh, grandma, great grandmother. They're both chefs. Uh, they've owned Peruvian restaurants. One of the actually in Mamaronic was one of uh, the first Peruvian restaurant in Westchester back wow. in, I don't know, maybe the 80s or the 70s. I'm not even too sure exactly. But they had the first Peruvian restaurant in Westchester County. Um, so just growing up, my grandma would always cook at home. Coming home from school, I would always come home to like a home-cooked meal. So, And then um, on the weekends is when I would sneak into the kitchen and like uh, snag a little. Like she would sear like big chunks of beef and I would just run in with my finger, <laughs> swipe it, lick it just to see what it tastes like. And she, you know, she would yell at me. What are, but, a lot of, what are a lot of those traditional flavors that wind up going into marinating the meats? Uh, so ají panca is a smoky Peruvian pepper that we use. Um, ají amarillo, which is another, it's a yellow aromatic pepper also. That one's a little bit more spicy. That one's got a little bit of a bite to it. The ají panca is mild. The ají amarillo is also mild. Mm. Um, the one that's spicier is called rocoto. It's similar to a habanero. It's which, red. It kind of looks like an apple. Yeah. But if you bite into that, yeah, yeah, your ass would be on fire. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that. I was actually, I was looking up some of the top Peruvian dishes that are made, and that pepper is used to create a stuffed pepper, though. And they use potatoes in there. Mm. I think I even... It's like s- a potato gratin that they make on the side of it. Yep. Um, Cumin is in that, there. So that pepper, you have to boil it. It's like a process. Mm-hmm. Twice with a little sugar and vinegar. Twice and then you basically like you're kind of like blanching it. He's just, just telling, he's the, telling me the recipe. So oh, why not? I'll, I'll let you guys know <laughs> and I'll make it for you. Keep so you going. Keep, keep um, going. And then what you do is, and then you can, then you could stuff it because it won't be as spicy because you're taking away from it a little bit, just a little bit. It's still going to be spicy, but and funny enough, there's eggs in that also though. Isn't eggs, there? olives, ground beef, and then you stuff it. You put cheese on top and then you throw it under a salad yes. just to get that ooziness, like a what's the soup? Uh, like a French onion soup. Yep. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. So, I mean, that's also very similar. When I first saw the picture of this, I said that's similar to a stuffed pepper. pepper. Correct. Mm -hmm. I was looking at Just over here. He's not even Italian, though. 
I just, I, I know. I just always look at you when I want like the Italian input. I mean, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Maybe yeah, you know off. some things. You know, but some it, things. it's very similar to the stuffed pepper, and yeah. that has so many variations as it is too. Are there yeah. as many variations in your version? What is it? The ricotta? Uh, yeah, rocotto. I can't say it. Rocotto. Rocotto. Hey, that was, that was close. Wow. That was good. I rolled that R on cue. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> So there are different variations to that, though, I guess. They're, it's not one recipe, and if you don't do it, you know, they're taking you out to the back shed and putting you down well, for, for doing that, it correctly. For that dish specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's only that one dish for that, okay. that one stuffed hot pepper. Yeah, that's just that one traditional dish that they have. Because it seems, I mean, there's so many different staple foods that there's just a variety of mishmash recipes where it's like yeah you can add this to that like we were yeah, talking like everybody's earlier everybody's grandmother will do it a little bit well, differently the, the thanksgiving yeah. uh what were we just talking about the stuffing right yeah. so there's uh, so many different recipes to do the stuffing people oh, yeah, get nowadays, like very aggressive about stuffing with it, which is great i mean that's how you be that's how you uh, make fusions very polarizing that's where too, yeah. you know that's where latusian came in with that's why the peruvian latin fusion because i take uh everything that i learned in all different restaurants and cuisines and just put it together and just start coming up with, yeah. Take, you take the best of everything and you throw out the worst pieces. Exactly. <laughs> right? What other uh, restaurants have you worked at? So I worked at Terry Lodge in Port Chester. Oh, I was there so for you probably know James. Yeah. You know Chef James Pickle? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. He was we on the show together. last week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We worked together. Talented, uh, very talented chef. Um, I worked with Andy Nesser, which is also another talented chef from New York City. Sam Epps. And then also I've worked like at different country clubs mm-hmm. and different mom and pop shops. And then I also worked in my grandmother's restaurant in Port Chester also with my uncle, who was a Peruvian cuisine. When you, which was the first space that you were in that you were more, I guess, seriously working on a commercial restaurant side the first time that you said, oh shit, I'm doing this. Uh, I would say Terry Lodge. Terry Lodge was like that place where I really, it was actually like a school for me. I learned mm-hmm. a lot. I started from the bottom as a, as a line cook working pasta, worked my way up to chef de cuisine. And then something was missing. Like I, I love the Italian cuisine, but I just felt like I, w- I was ready for the next step. I was missing those aromas of like my grandmother's cooking. So I said, hey, I need to uh, open up my own spot, I think. So that's where I figured that one out. And you took it back to the roots. And took it back to the roots, yeah. James, uh, in the last episode, was discussing, uh, he did say he did pasta, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's where I learned that the pasta station is the hardest working station in all of uh, the restaurant. Tough. <laughs> yeah. Pasta station will whoop your ass. You have a ticket with like 20, 22 pastas and it needs to be out in six minutes. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Been there. Yeah, it's, so but it's do- awesome. I mean, if you have a passion for it, it's like nothing. You're, gonna, you're just going to bust it out quick. So you learn a lot in Terry Lodge, uh, Terry Lodge, and the learning that comes from there, I would think, is a lot operational. Oh, and definitely. And the things that you're taking in, because they have a did down, did did down to a science. What's up? Caffeine's hidden. You have it down. They have it down to a science, pretty much, where you're learning all of these different aspects of the whys things are done the way they are. Uh, maybe health and safety standards throughout. And then you take those things and you apply them, of course, going forward to the next places that you go, uh, which we see all the time happening. Mm-hmm. And how long were you in Terry Lab? About eight years. That's all, see, that's, that's a, a long, long time. Still to learn. I mean, amount of time, yeah. Yes. I've never stayed at a place for so long, but I stayed there for that long because I loved the place. You know, the love was special. Um, everybody treated everybody equally. And uh, just the learning part was just... It was, it was just amazing. It was an amazing experience, I would say. I worked the line from pasta, saute, grill, iseolo, and then how to make fresh pasta. Like, it was everything. I did the whole thing. So 
it was uh, and a little bit of everything. Going through all of the different stations, was there like a preference that really just held you? And when you were off it, you were like, God, I kind of want to go back to that station. Oh, pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pasta. As I know it might sound crazy, you know, as busy as it was, because we were doing like on a Friday night, three to 400 covers. Think about it. Everybody's That's a lot ordering of people. a pasta. Yep. So um, you're touching every table. That but comes I don't in. know. It was just the finesse of you know just boiling the pasta, you know, finishing it in the pan, adding a little pasta water to the right consistency. So it was just I don't know. It's just a science to it that I just had a passion for the pasta station. That was like my favorite, definitely. And now eight years being in there, the next step when you finally threw in the towel and you said, "I'm not doing the pasta station anymore. It's over." What happened next? Where'd we go? So after Terry Lodge, uh, I ended up working at another restaurant. Don't want to give no names, but I worked at another Peruvian restaurant. And, uh, you know, I finessed. I also did like a lot of my specials and cuisines and stuff like that. And that's why, you know, I just said, you know what, it's time for me to open up my own. And it's tough for somebody that's in this business for so long, that's contributing so much and working underneath somebody else where you don't really have ownership of the company. It's like, why should I continue doing this when I'm doing all of this on my own anyway? Yeah, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was like, I don't know, I just felt like um, I wasn't being appreciated. So that pushed me more to open up my own spot. You, you know, it, the, the goal was a restaurant, but I didn't have the funds for that. So that's where uh, Latujan and I thought about a food truck. It's so crazy. I'll jump right into it if you would like. I want to hold off. Wanna we're going to go into Let's the food truck. Let's get everybody. Right. <laughs> I feel like the food truck's like a whole section in itself. Uh, you know, there's so much that you have to tackle going into that. But you say that, you know, you go into this other restaurant and you grew up having all this love for those spices and those flavors and, you know, these aromatics that you sensed or had as a kid. And you're not really doing any of that in Terry Lodge. That's not that type of spot. No, well, I would do it during for family meal. Yeah, and you so get to flex everybody it. when they knew oh Fabian's cooking. Nobody would order out. They'd be like, <laughs> no, 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 don't order. Fabian's cooking. So I would, I would always showcase Peruvian cuisine. That's funny. So that was, that was what my time to shine there. To also. So that's, you know, that's one of the things I miss because we don't, we don't do a family meal yeah. every night yeah. everybody just you know puts an order whatever for the <laughs> night of like whatever they want yeah and they get it at the end of the night you know when i coming up we used to have family meal at the yep. club or you know even at out back when i was back there's family meal family meal in manhattan is a big it deal it was like, the best meal of yeah the day. it's awesome and some yeah, of the like, dudes would come out just like you said where you know if, if they were peruvian they would make something that they're familiar with or yeah. whatever and you yeah. got to try so many different Different things yeah. that you never tried before. Different cuisines, yeah. People just start coming up with, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And when you when you're doing family it. meal at um, Terry Lodge, was it you by yourself who had to cook for the entire staff? Yeah, we would cook for, uh, I don't know, maybe about 40. 40, 40 staff. Yeah, so we would cook trays of food. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it would be, I don't know, uh, in between lunch and dinner. Mm. We'd get like a, like a half hour break. And you'd have to like fit the family meal prep into your regular prep for the day also, right? Yeah. yeah. But I already knew, so I was already, I would prepare myself the day before. Yeah, you I'll have know, to. I'll know what's left or what we can use. Yep. Or sometimes we'll just order stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's where I'll just. They rotate it, right? It'd be like your job today, someone else well, tomorrow. So, like I mean, I, I guess in his situation, they rotated. At Manhattan, the, um, the night shift cooks always had to do family meal. Like it was always our responsibility. So we'd come in, 
ideally having prepped the night before for something. So like we leave some pork butts in the oven smoking all night. Then we still have to cook some like rice or a vegetable or something like that. But it'd have to be enough for like 80 people. You have two and a half hours to do all your prep work and you still have to get that and shit done. And on top of that, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's tough. tough. Yeah, it's hectic. But it's satisfying. But it's, exactly. it's satisfying. Exactly. You know, Especially when you do something good and everybody enjoys it and then they're all talking about they're it. They're raving the about the it. You know, yep. it feels good. That's, that's, that's what makes us chefs happy. Excited. Exactly. Like seeing somebody, you know, putting a smile on somebody's face. That's, that's satisfying. My day was barbecue day at Manhattan. Smoked pork butts, cornbread, collard greens. I wonder, you, I wonder where you got that from. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> as far as the family meal knows? Yeah. How long did it take you to smoke the pork butts? Overnight. We put it you, like, you knew you were doing yeah. family meal ahead, and you were yeah. like, I got this. I got this, exactly. <laughs> then you'd have one person make the biscuits, somebody else would make the mac and cheese, somebody else would do the veg. That's, That's funny. It. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So in uh, taking then to the next step, you go into the, you know, the next space, and you're able to apply, I guess, more so technique that you've learned through Terry Lodge. Definitely. And reapply it into your own preference of cuisine, which was Peruvian. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, going into the next place, you had a little bit more leeway, too. Oh, definitely. Because you go in there being the man. I just I came from Terry Lodge. What, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <Exactly>. Let's go. <laughs> so in doing that, too, you have kind of full menu control at that point? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had, um, we did all different types of fusions. That's why I really started showcasing my food. You know, taking like, um, I don't know, like braised items, like brisato. Like brisato is like a braised short rib. I would braise it, but with Peruvian spices. Nice. And instead of serving it with just regular mashed potato or polenta, I did like uh, a truffle ají amarillo, which is a Peruvian pepper mashed potato. So, you know, I just started infuse. you know, just. Peruvian pepper mashed potato. So it's mashed peppers. So it's so what I do with the pepper. So the pepper, I'll puree it so it comes into so it's like a paste. So you infuse that into the mashed potato, and I would throw like truffle peelings or truffle oil, and then I'll put a piece of braised beef on top, you know, stuff like that. Like you know, I would just I don't know things. Yeah, yeah, things just come to my head. (laughs) But like, so the idea would be like Italian culinary techniques with the Peruvian flavors. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big. It was a big hit. Uh, The restaurant when I. The guy that I the guy that I worked for he was uh, definitely looking for a chef. Uh, he reached out to me. I thought about it since I yeah. was missing the Peruvian cuisine. I said, why not? Let me take it to the next level. I went there. I helped him because uh, the restaurant wasn't doing that great, and I just went there and blew that place up. That place was popping. Sometimes too though, when it was. that's a good feeling. A lot yeah. of a lot of the guys out there that listen to this too that are maybe owners of restaurants. Maybe they have one single restaurant at the moment. After being there for so long. And just not reaching that point where you want to get to the second spot or the third spot, like you start getting burnt out. Yeah. So having somebody like you come in with fresh blood, where it's like, "Hey, let's go, let's turn this place up a little bit." I got a fresh menu, some fresh ideas. Like that gets the owner excited at that point too. Definitely. And not only that, but like people see it. Instagram exists at oh, this yeah. point. That was happening. That's Facebook where that was blew happening. Up. Yeah. So as people are looking at all these things, they're saying, all right, what's this restaurant? Maybe I should go check that out. Yeah. I'm sure you contributed a handful to the business and new people coming in to check it out because it was things that they were salivating over when they were seeing you put these plates out. Yeah. And in doing such, you stayed at this space for how long? About two years. Okay. So you put time in, two put years, you're learning in. some other things and yeah. maybe a little bit more involved in the ownership side too, where you're seeing a lot more than you would have at Terry Lodge. Definitely. Um, handling all ordering and things like that. What's the toughest part of ordering food? Um, I'm, it really isn't that tough. I mean, you just got to make sure you get the cheapest price. I mean, you got to, you know, 
Who's yeah. negotiating? Well, that's, that's, that's what I would say. I think the hardest part is keeping track because they, they switch stuff on. Yeah, yeah, like one week it'll be a certain <laughs> price. The next week you're like, whoa, what happened? But you already received it and you're like, oh, shit. You know, so food costs will go up or yeah. whatever, you know. That feels like they're constantly staying on the distributor or whoever. Just like, you have to be know. on top of this it. Was this was this, this was that, yeah. How is that even a thing? Like, how do we not have some type of like system a, that just tracks the prices and just updates people for the things that they're ordering? You know, I mean, they they do. Yeah. They they cost money though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. those <laughs> systems exist. Yeah. Just cost Avero them. probably yeah. did that, right? What? Avero. Once you put in the price, Avero does it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like we have Upserve, which was a simple order, and mm-hmm. it has like somewhat of a thing. Like, it could notify you if it goes over a certain price, yeah. but you still gotta. You still Catch have to watch it. it. You know, yeah. like it come in on the invoice and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and that's it. even though they'll notify you, your phone's probably got a million different things going in it anyway from all the other notifications. Right. It just that's when that restaurant man book that we were talking about. <laughs> I tried Joe to Bas- listen to it. Did you, you read the book? The nah. restaurant man? There's the Joe Bastianos. Joe Bastianos. You should have read that one. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I, I didn't read it though. So <laughs> you should read it. It's a great book. News was, like, news was like, I'm going to send you the book. It's all free. Right. And I go click the link and it's like, sign up for 30 days. Just put your card in. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. I'm not falling for this shit. Well, that's, again. that's Audible or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it right? was. Yeah, audible. it was. A, the book is free. But yeah, 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 I'll figure anyway, that out. I recommend it. It's a good listen. I listened to it. I listened to it multiple times. It was a great It was. Joe reading the book, so I was like, his oh. whatever. But anyway, the point was, the, in like the first chapter or whatever, he says the most important guy we have is the guy checking in your yeah. orders because he's your line of defense against uh, against the outside against world the trying to take advantage of you. So yeah. if that guy, he goes, if that guy's in somebody's pocket, you're <laughs> you're screwed. Yeah. So the, you know, because the sales guy would like pay off the steward and be like, oh, well, you know, just take it, you know, yeah. whatever, something like that. You got to read that book, Joe. Oddly enough, not to pivot far, and I'm not gonna let this pivot far. I listened to the Kanye Joe Rogan the other day, and that's a pivot. And (laughs) no, there's one piece in there where he was like, "I had to fire my CFO. I had so much cash flowing out for no reason." He he wasn't paying attention. That when I started looking at the cash outflows, I was saying like, "Why are we paying these guys?" He was saying that there was one guy he fired three weeks ago who was still collecting money from him. Yeah, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Yeah, you gotta keep some type of eye on what's flowing out. But my question is more so in buying and purchasing and how much goes to waste and how can you really manage the inventory that well you know what you're doing now now here on the food truck too you expect to do xx amount per day and mm-hmm. at that point do you wind up having waste often and you know what do you do with the waste you can't just take it to a homeless shelter and be like here i want to feed you guys no not really we don't have waste everything that i make is a la carte so it's stuff that we use we'll use and we're going to talk about that, too, because yeah. that's interesting enough. And we were discussing that a little bit earlier. That's um, got to make your workflow actually day of on the truck a little bit more frustrating. Yeah. You do everything a la carte. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's why I have so many grays, but it's all right. And after doing two years here. Ch- I'll challenge you on that. <laughs> after doing two years in this other restaurant, was the next step the truck? Oh, yeah. Um it was happening while I was working there. Well, uh, that's how every idea is supposed yeah, to be Yeah, so, you know, maybe right? about a year and a half in, um, you know, like I said, I didn't feel appreciated. So that strived me to, like, go get this food. So I saw an empty truck. It's an old J.J. Casson. You know J.J. Casson's the yeah. bakery? It's an old truck. Um, and uh, I saw it for sale. I went home. I told my wife. I said, "Hey, I just I just bought a truck." She's like, "What? Are you <laughs> didn't crazy?" Even, didn't even tell her you were thinking about doing it. Nope. Man, that's bold. She was yeah. She she went hysterical. She almost started crying, and I was like, "Listen, don't worry about it." Because I use I ended up using the savings money that we had, 
and you know, as a chef, you know, you don't make a lot of money. You make, you don't yeah. make ends meet. I have, you know, at the time I had three kids, you know, so it's, it was tough. Um, so then I just bought the truck and then little by little, still working at this place, uh, I was just building the truck little by little. So I was uh, living paycheck by paycheck, just constructing the truck. So you bought, you had some previous idea though, before just buying the truck where you saw the truck and you were just like, I'm gonna buy the truck and then work it all out afterwards. Well, uh, the movie Chef inspired <laughs> me to do that. So uh, great, yeah, movie, just, great movie. Great it's movie. a great movie, and I don't know. I just saw it, and I was like, "Wow, you know what? I'm gonna open up a food truck." I, t- I told Mike, I said, "Sometimes I want to do it just to take the trip across country." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. pick it up and let's just go drive across country and yeah. see. If, it looks you know, so cool to do that, yeah. but it's like you have to get a permit in every, every town, state. every state, <laughs> every town, every county. It's like you know they're super strict. It's you know it's very annoying on that part. I wish it could be like the movie and just yep. like. Just take a trip. Yeah, I would drive here to, from here to Florida and just stop Ooh. in every town yeah, and just, just sell food. Up. Yeah, that would be awesome. It'd be but. beautiful. When you were putting this truck together, before you pulled the trigger on it, my first question and fear for myself, if I was buying a truck, is I'm I see this truck for sale on the side of the road. It's clearly used. How much mileage does it have? How many problems are going to happen with this truck? I have to drive it to get to point A to point B. Do I know guys that are not going to kill me on the mechanic side when, you know, I got to take it in and get it fixed? Like, yeah, yeah. is this something that you go through with? Um, I didn't think about all that when I bought it. <laughs> I really like, did it. I wish I did. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I just pulled the trigger. Uh, I said, whatever happens, happens. Um, I was like, you know, I just had faith in my food and my cuisine. So I said, I'm just going to pull the trigger, man. That's a no parachute jump in my book. And I yeah. bet you start learning a lot about how to fix this, like how to fix the truck. Because <laughs> you have yeah. to at that point. Yeah. Well, my dad's a mechanic, so okay. he so helped out a All ton. Right. Yeah, so, so there's a little bit of a fail safe there, and you had somebody to call and ask some questions oh, about, yeah, which is uh, totally something that's needed. I mean, how many guys are out there that were like, they saw the movie Chef, and they were like, I'm just going to buy a food truck. Yeah. And then they were like, shit, I have to put so much money into this thing because like, the, know, the truck is terrible. Truck. Yeah, yeah. In... Leaving the space right before you left, before opening the food truck, you probably had some Google documents of names and things that you wanted to call the truck, food items that you were going to put on the truck. Yeah. So there was some type of formula that you had before you just pulled the trigger on the truck. You know, it wasn't full on just, I'm getting this truck, it's over. Yeah. But how long were you investing in the ideas of the food truck before you actually did just pull that trigger? Um... About the, yeah, about a year, about a year before I just uh, yeah I was get, gathering. I would sketch. I would think of names. I was just write jot down names, and then you know I was just thinking one time one night. I, I wouldn't sleep at night thinking about the food truck. Um, what, am, what what's my concept? Peruvian food, right? But I love to do fusions. So that's how the name came about. Latusian, La, you know, it's Latin mm-hmm. fusion, Latusian. So that's how that that name came about. That wanted to bring. Peruvian, strong Peruvian, but with a fusion. <coughs> Correct. And now putting those things together, from what I understand is that this food truck build-out is not just a regular type of build-out, kind of. You have some things that are a little bit more special because, as we just said, you're making everything a la carte. Yeah. So well, you yeah. have to have what I mean, kind of prep space. And- yeah, I mean, the truck is huge. I think it's like a 24-footer, so it's pretty big. It's bigger than restaurants in, in, in the city, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Um, but I have everything. I have a six burner. I have a griddle top. I have a deep fryer. I have, you know, that one door reach in fridge, um, you know, prep tables, you know, so it's pretty big. It's, um, 
And with the, with the experience that I have, um, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that fast pace. You know, working at Terry Lodge was like a restaurant, the New York City restaurant. Well, you're like a suicide bomber. You said you want to go back into the pasta cooking station after you graduated out of that. Hell. So, but imagine having a line one block long, everybody ordering Lomos, and I'm the only one making <laughs> you're that You're the only Lomo. one on the line cooking it all. By the way, so, he's not exaggerating about one block long. I believe Yeah, it. yeah it, gets, it gets crazy, man, and I'm blessed. I'm, you know, very thankful, and, you know, that hard work pays How many off. covers do you think you do on an average day? Uh, I mean, the weekends, uh, I don't know, maybe like 150. All <laughs> but no, I have a team though. Okay. Uh, but I'm yeah. the one that makes the Lomo. But yeah. I have uh, two other people, three other people. My okay. wife that helps me. Mm. She's at the window. Um, I have this lady that actually left with me from the other restaurant before really? I opened so you're up the truck. employees when you go. No, no. He I, wasn't I told her. I she told, felt unappreciated. I told her I was leaving. She was like, where are you going? I was like, I'm opening up my own food truck. She was like, uh-huh. no, I'm coming with you. <laughs> so she left with me. So nice. that, was, that was awesome. I mean, it's like a, like I didn't want to take her. Character on I didn't want to yeah. take her away from the restaurant because I'm not that type of guy to like, you know, steal or whatever. But it's a nice feeling when you know somebody believes in you and your product enough yeah. to like, be like, I'm and she appreciated like my work ethic and how I treated employees equally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was a woman and, and, you know, a lot of people were hard on her, mm-hmm. but I always believed in her. So I, uh, I, she wanted to come with me, and she's under my wing, and she's awesome. She's nice. a rock star, man. That's Definitely. awesome. And you guys, and I know you guys work hard in that truck because we did the collab, you know, we did the collab, whatever yeah. you want to call it, where you had the truck on the patio in New Rochelle. Yeah. Dude, it was crazy. I've never seen so many people in that parking lot, like all the way to the back wall. And I didn't all day, think. like all night, it was. It started, and then it just didn't stop. I'm like. I missed that one. I wasn't there for that. But I I've think been to your truck when, when you guys were parked at um, Harbor Island Park. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Can you go further in just with this collaboration that you did? I, I mean, it's a trend that we see happening more and more. So we were doing, you know, we, were, we had the patio under Rochelle before we closed it, and we just, you know, we had different truck once a month would come in just to change it up a little bit and have something new or whatever. And we did, we had Latouche in there once, right? Once or twice. Like twice, I think. think tw- I believe once, it. When the beginning and one at yeah, the end, right? The end, yeah. And what what do we do? The waffle? We did a chicken and waffle. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how he has the chicken and waffles on the menu? Yeah. Um, I ended up doing it uh boyala style. Boyala is like a deep fried chicken that's marinated with like Peruvian spices. We used his coleslaw. That's right. That's and right, then yeah. I did um we have this dish called picaronas, they're Peruvian donuts with a homemade syrup. So that homemade syrup I drizzled on top. Oh, it was just amazing. It was just, it was, it was really good. What, what type of spices you use to marinate the chicken? So ají panca, okay. garlic, cumin, oregano. Put that all together and just let it marinate. Marinated for like two days. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> it was just, it was a hit. After that, people kept wanting like that dish. But yeah. it's tough on a food truck, you know. Yeah. But it was after that day watching this dude work in the back of, the back of that truck. Oh, man. After people. service, he was like, yo, do you want a beer? Like, yes, <laughs> give me two. And you had, to, you had to look at it, right? That's when I realized, and that was just what Jay was talking about, building out the truck. Yeah. Most of the time you see a food truck is like a solid concept. It's like a burger truck or you know, hot dogs or pizza or whatever. You usually don't have like burners, a fryer, I mean, and a flat top. This dude's menu is aggressive. Like He's got ceviche yeah. on there. You know, and then you go on to you got a Cuban sandwich and then... 
you, you know, had to do a Cuban sandwich. Empanadas and wings and then yeah. the Romo fries and all this stuff. I got too. I guess I, I guess it was too ambitious. Like my menu is too big. I even everybody's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know." I just. <laughs> yeah, but you seem to be making it work. Yeah. But you oh wanna... yeah, we made it work. We have a system. We're we're fast. We're quick. So it, there's a system behind it. Like you said, I learned from previous restaurants, especially Terry Lodge, of high volume. Mm-hmm. So I know how to you know just how to how to move. That's it. It's like dancing back there man 100 yeah i i mean certainly the it is a dance definitely and i i just think that with the f- there's a lot more food trucks showing up more and more and at some point it will make it harder i think to either bring all those crowds out or you could look at this another way and i think that goes to the mentality that a lot of us share here you know there's no bad bones in your body and it's very clear in that and doing these collaborations with restaurants where they already serve food. Like mm-hmm. Justin has a menu. He doesn't need to bring a food truck in to have a different party. You know what That's I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. But it's the cool extras that people do where they realize that there's enough for everybody to eat out there. Of course. And now the more food trucks that start showing up, I think the concern is that it's supply and demand issue from a business standpoint. And what we're starting to see, at least out here in this Northeast area, is that there's a lot of these like food truck campgrounds showing up. And uh, they just opened this one here in Elmsford. I haven't been there yet, so I can't really speak on it. 9A? Is that's that still, the name? I know they're doing that summer. That's still open? Yeah, it's called 9A. Yeah. Okay. And with that said, I guess the business model for the owner is we mortgage out a little piece of property and we kind of rent it out to the trucks. Mm-hmm. The trucks pay a little bit of a fee to be there. However, bodies bring bodies. It's the same as in the bar. That concept doesn't change whatsoever. Uh, Smorgasburg, right? Out yeah. in Brooklyn or, you know, wherever it is. Uh, I think there's a few of them. Was a few was, of them. Yeah. But the they had how many trucks come out there? There was like 15, 25 trucks, something like that. They pay a crazy fee to be out there, but it becomes a Disney World destination type space where people Foodies. go, let's go get food. Yeah. Yeah. I swear to God, I got, I think, the cheapest item on each truck knowing that I was going to go hit every truck. I wasn't looking for an entree. I was doing little appetizer pieces. Yeah. I probably spent a hundred bucks to my face wow. just off the trucks alone. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's much to fear when you want to talk about more trucks starting to show up. Obviously you have something that many trucks don't have, and that's having a Peruvian cuisine on your truck or mm-hmm. fusion, if you will. And do you prefer to kind of be set up in one single space or are you opposed to kind of going into these type of campground areas where you do have to pay some type of fee to go into them and hope enough people show up? Yeah, for me, um, I, I like to go to my spot, my, my Lions Park, where I'm at. Um, I've, I've been to 9A Eats. We did a pop-up one time and it was, it was crazy. It was <laughs> really, really busy. We had the line for the four hours. I sold out. I had to stop selling food. I, I didn't have enough food. Nice. Which was great. Yeah. Um, good but problems. yeah, definitely. But I just feel like I don't I don't have to uh, go to other places. I love doing um, festivals and stuff like that. But now with this whole COVID, everything, you know, canceled on us. But um, usually people come to us. I mean, I have people coming from Jersey, Queens, Brooklyn, New York City to Porchester. Like I'm bringing people from all over the place and they're coming to Porchester just to eat my food truck, which is it's got to be an awesome feeling. <laughs> it's an awesome feeling because I, I always tell my wife, uh, engage conversation and ask, how did you hear about us or where are you coming from? And I get a lot of people from different different places, yeah. Jersey. I, I, I can't believe people are coming from Jersey. <laughs> I really can't. But that's awesome. That is awesome. That's a trek and a half, too. And, yeah. you know, we've had this conversation lightly. We haven't really delved into the food trucks too heavily, but... 
you know, we talked to Cat at Walters about the food truck a little bit. We talked to David DeBarry about the food truck a little bit. Um, and everyone seems to say that it's all about the event-driven sales that come that are, you know, that's the easy money at the end of the day. You show up to the event, you're catering to however many people, you know exactly how many people are going to be there. Everyone's already kind of just paid up in full. You're just supplying everything at that point. And now, you know, your perspective here is saying that you love just rolling up and talking to the people. They're coming out to see you from all over the place. Mm. Like, would you even trade that for a moment to do more event caterings? You know, there's a line where you get tied up. You can't do an event catering on a Friday night, but also show up with the truck. You're one person in one truck. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like I said, I would, I would like to do both. I mean, so, you know, I, I like to stay at my location, but at the same time, if there is an event, I'll close my location. I'll just say, hey, I'm going to be here tonight. And, pe- and people follow, which is great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll get the crowd of that event or, wh- you know, whoever did the flyer. And then my regular customers will come also. And that, right, so you don't necessarily have to lose one to do the other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. When you talk about that's the flexibility you don't have in a in a regular restaurant. Someone rents out the restaurant. That's it. it. Rent out the restaurant. Well, if you're renting out the restaurant, also you're paying a premium to rent out well, the restaurant, yeah. right? I, I mean, we did in Whiskey Creek. We did the first bullet bar competition in there. They rented the whole restaurant out on Monday night, and they paid us the premium for whatever our sales would have been on top of. The premium to have the event there as it was so like those are things that you bake into price i think no yeah would you give I mean, somebody the restaurant entirely book it out at not really that much more i mean our store is not economical to do that how yeah, much like, would, how much know. would somebody have to pay you even if, if they want to do that depending on the day but like 10 grand and really though you're making up if you're doing a catering or a per person price package you're including booze in there for the most right, part, right. and that's really what my, you're making. My whole thing back. is not so much the being able to do the, not to get too much off the topic, but being able to do the events. I don't like the idea of closing to your your guests that yeah. just are there every day, you yeah. know, because it's kind of like a, you kind can, of a slap you can, in the face. Yeah, you can yeah. post on your Instagram or whatever saying we're closed for a private event. You know, you, I mean, you got to do it sometimes. I mean, I get it. I'll do it if it makes sense. You got to do it, but. You know, Some I don't love upset. the idea because yeah, the, guest, the guest comes out, they didn't see the post wherever, and they're all excited to come out to eat. And you're like, no, I'm sorry, the private event. And that, I don't like that interaction with the guest. Yeah. Me either. I get that a lot too. Uh, if I if I close for a private event for a private party or something, which is well worth it, I'll yeah. do it. Um, they they get upset. They'll go, oh, I didn't see it. I was like, I posted it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> was know. just going to say, with the ever changing algorithms of Instagram, it's, it's so constant. Where I do see companies make these posts, and you look at when it was posted, and it was like two days ago, and I was like, <laughs> cool, that's useless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, you can't expect somebody to see what's being posted unless they have like some type of updater. Uh, as far as like promotions go and things you're doing to the truck to get out to the people and find more people. Are you, you're utilizing Instagram, obviously, we see that. Mm-hmm. Are you going steps further and trying to get emails or phone numbers from people and starting some type of document list so that way in the future, say three years from now, you have a list that you could blast out to 5,000 people at once from every single person that's ever come to the truck just so you could say, hey, we're doing a pop-up here. Hey, we're doing this. And you've built an army behind you that you, know, you have access to. Yeah. Because Instagram is only so good as an access point until they figure out how to further monetize it and bury you. Uh, in my opinion, I think the moment that you hit that you're a business on Instagram is the moment that they put a target on your head and they want to 
it's have you pay for promoted 10, posts. Imagine 10,000 followers over. No, that's for sure. As soon as you switch that business, they, they uh, tone down how, how far your reach goes. Because mm-hmm. like, they want you to hit yeah. the boost post. Boost post, $10, $3. It's so such a small amount. But think about mm-hmm. how many people are using Instagram out there that use it as a lifeline to get in contact with their clients. And people are forgetting that the old ways work. I just had a conversation with a gentleman behind the bar. It was his second month bartending or so, and he was a teacher, and he was looking to do more uh, tutoring. That's the word I was looking for. It was really hard to get off the tip of my tongue. He was looking to do more tutoring, and he was just like, I don't know. I, like, How do I get to the, the kids out there? How do I get to the parents? How do I get to the people? And you, what? South Park reference. How do I reach these kids? Oh, no, I didn't know. Forget it. But, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> but you have all these apps that get you in touch with the community, but they only work so well because they all have their own agenda, and that's to make money at the end of the day. So nobody's just giving you free access to you know every single person in this building. Yeah. This building that we're sitting in right now, they actually have one of the pizza trucks come out every single Tuesday. You go order from the app, you go downstairs, you get pizza for free, built into the price. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's an access point for food trucks where you go, hey, let me get in touch with these building owners and say, how do I come and show up to your spot? You'll pay me whatever the flat fee is for however many guests you think are going to be ordering pizza. And then you show up downstairs, you get the pie, and then you get your word out there even further. And, you know, you want, I would think you want to get these email addresses and be able to blast these Doesn't people. sound like a bad idea. Definitely a great idea. I, I'm just motivating my marketing mind. Sorry. Um, but in doing that in the long run, obviously, you'll have a chamber loaded and just ready to shoot whenever you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as easy as I know Justin was telling me that people can order online for you ahead of time and kind of call their order in. Um, no, I used to do the order order uh, ahead, but I stopped doing that. You just have to come to the truck for now. It's just too crazy. It just got too crazy. I would I would have to hire one person just to just to answer the, the phone. Yeah. It was just getting too crazy, overwhelming. Um, so if you think about it, um, let's say I have ten tickets of just pre orders, and then I have a whole line outside. So now people are waiting double the wait time, and then the people that are coming to pick up their food, they're waiting. They so it, it just got. Yeah. It just got too crazy, so now I, I just set it, like, just come to the truck, order at the window, and it is a faster process. I love that problem. That's a great problem. That's a wet dream to me. You know, like you, I had to shut down the order ahead because shit got so crazy that we yeah. can't keep up with the flow. Yeah, it was just that's, too much. And, man. you know, in the evolution of these problems and in the evolution, I feel like, of the truck's growth, because that's all that happens when you develop something, you keep it current, you keep building on it. It's like, the question is... Do you instill that again and then get some little small ass area in the corner of a town where people could just pick up directly? You know, you want to get the brains feeling. I think if we go into a real estate crash with this whole COVID thing and the prices keep going lower and guys go out of business, cheap rent comes up. Are you thinking about a storefront anytime soon? Uh, I did think about it before the COVID mm-hmm. um, was looking because I did want a, a brick and mortar. But then COVID hit and, and like, that just changed my whole yeah. train of thought. Because, you know, see what's going on. It's tough, man. It's very sad. Um, but uh, we're working on a second truck now. So we're, we're building another truck, a different cuisine. It's uh, oh, yeah? Ecuadorian cuisine. You're just cornering the market. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna, we're <laughs> yeah, gonna, exactly that. My, uh, my wife's mother, she's a great, great uh, chef. She cooks Ecuadorian food really, really good. I've tried it all over the place. I even had it in Ecuador. Um, there's these trucks in Queens that I go to, um, and they're not as good as her food. We, I was there yesterday, actually. I was like, let's go you know, check it out, try the food. Um, See but, what the competition is going to be like. 
there's no comparison. So I'm investing in in her mom. Awesome. So nice. Yeah. And that's it. I think that's a good story too. And again, coming circling back to strength in numbers. You know, you set those trucks up next to each other. You're gonna have lines at both trucks. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's probably bring more masses coming to it too. Yeah. Um, So if anybody wants to follow them, it's called Galapagos Food Truck. Galapagos Food Truck. We'll put that in the uh, show notes also. Definitely. How soon do you think it'll be open? Uh, spring. We're, nice. we're shooting for May because they have to, you know we have to go through the health inspection and, yeah, yeah. and all that. So once that's done, we're ready to go. Truck is uh, being constructed now, and uh, should be ready. Two months. Get it wrapped. I'm a guy. Uh, I just followed it. Nice. I like those food truck. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you'll see. We're already. Um, so her mom's bringing food. You know, we're cook. She's cooking, and then I'm plating nice. If you see the dishes, I'm I'm plating them really nice. So. I'm not gonna have too much involved of the cooking part, mm. but I'm gonna be the one com- coming up with fusion. So, because I want I want to keep that truck authentic, right. Ecuadorian food, because there's not too much you can do. But I'm gonna come up with specials here and there, though. I'm gonna come up with a fusion. So now I'm gonna do Ecuadorian, Peruvian, or I'm, I'm gonna come up with some. I have some under my sleeve. In case you're wondering, about. it's Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian. Just so you know, <laughs> uh, I'm a dude that's terrible with paperwork, and I blatantly and will always admit it. I'm so disorganized, but also organized that I have a stack of paper, you know, yay tall. And I know where the papers are. And I can find both. that stack. If I didn't have my wife, I don't know where all my stuff is. I'm Does like, she handle? Babe, where's this at? <laughs> Does she handle the permitting processes and things like that? Or no, I do. You, I do. You have that down. Because to but, me, that's my biggest fear. Yeah, I mean, I get nervous every year. As, even though I know my truck is in spick and span shape and everything is the way it's supposed to be. I still get nervous. And that's for nervous over, like, you're saying the health you? side inspection of things. Yeah, or whatnot, I don't know why. Right? It's just, I just always got, I don't know, I get nervous. But the know. part that you show up to, or your space that you show up to consistently, you have to have a permit for that space as well, though. Oh, no? Of course, you got to have the Westchester County Health sticker, right? Mm-hmm. To sell food, to have permission to sell food in Westchester. And then you got to have whatever town that you're in, you got to have a permit. So that, how many towns do you have permits for altogether? Just Portchester. Oh, just I'm just in Portchester. I'm born and raised here, so I figured why not stay in my hometown? And, you know, I know a lot of people. So, yeah. How's that permitting process? What do you actually do to go get that done? Are you going physically into the... Yeah, you got to go to the town hall and then bring all the paperwork that they ask for. Which um, I'm sure is miles oh, long. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that they ask for. It's tough. Yeah, it's... So like the the Portchester's not easy. But do they have the option to say no, people. even if you bring in all the paperwork? Or is it like, just get this done and you got a permit? Um, no, no. I think if you, if you just bring if all you the do right it, yeah. documents, you'll be fine. They may take a little long. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, you know, you just triggered it when you said Portchester. Portchester now currently is, at this time period, is what, an orange zone now or yeah, something? Yeah. Uh, McShane's has shut the bar for the next few weeks or two weeks or so they're not opening up keep in mind they're a late night spot also though so does it make any sense for them if they have to close at 10 o'clock uh i'm sure sam's which is another local bar in that area is probably Mm -hmm. doing the same thing do you have more things that you have to adhere to now being in this quote-unquote orange zone do they have problems with people waiting in these lines that are a mile long or no, because everybody, we tell everybody we have our signs up, you know, stand six feet apart. Um, and if people are waiting, once they order and they're waiting, we tell them, can you just wait in your car? Um, just so there isn't a crowd. We try to avoid that as much as possible. But, um, you know, there's only so much we can control, but we enforce it, though. You know, when they come to the window, you know, can you please just wait in your car or, you know, just stay separate a little bit. But 
That's I, it. I did actually go to the New Haven, one of those New Haven pizza spots that are well known. And interestingly enough, we walked in and it was the six foot deal, of course. And you place your order with the hostess at the stand. She put the order in and then she told me exactly where to park. So I parked the car in some specific space. They bring the pizza right out to the space. It's all paid for. They just leave it on the hood. You come get it afterwards. So that was kind of interesting to see as well. Mm. And, you know, when you talk about business and you're looking to smooth things out and make things run as efficiently as possible, and that's, of course, so you could grow further in the future and deal with bigger crowds, you know, you look to figure out where you could shave seconds off repeatedly throughout your day to make things easier for everybody. Just your pickup window gets pretty busy. Yes, it does. <laughs> A lot. Okay, cool. And people just walk up, they get their food, they're out. He's, He's like, like, yes, we sell food. I had to answer that way. I know, he wanted to hit that. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, <laughs> I had to. I mean, yeah, it's kind of the same same idea. You know, we had, I mean, we had designed that garage window for that, but it worked out. So in the front of the door. But the problem is, you got all the restaurants next to you, you got all the lines kind of co-mingling. It's, you know, people get all tangled up. And your yeah, problem is only so much you can do. Right. I mean, you know. Right. And we oh. do the same thing, take a phone number and we'll say, oh, we'll call you when it's ready. Because our, our ticket times are a little bit longer, too. A little bit longer. You know, like if we're busy on a Friday, Saturday night, it's going to take 25, 30 minutes to make 10 dinners, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Takes so we've been telling them this is going to be half an hour. And then they stand in front of the window. <laughs> and staring at you. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't, help. it doesn't help either that your restaurant is literally right next to one of the most popular pizza spots in the area as well. Yeah, they're lying. It's crazy. Their line oh, is I'm definitely sure. crazy. You know, you're talking about low cost in and out, feed the family. You're feeding the masses right there. Yeah. But Justin, uh, you have um, the system set up with mobile bites that will text you when your food is Yeah, we try, to, we try to get as many people to order ahead yeah. on, either sure. online or call in. And yeah. then we can text them from our... From our, um, the POS. From the POS, and your order is ready, and then they can come up to the window. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The first yeah. time I got the text message, I was like, "Damn, Smokehouse, you fancy." <laughs> <That's what it laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean I'm, I'm I'm pretty old school too. Like everybody keeps telling me, "Get the app, get the app." Yeah. I'm just old school, man. Just come up to the truck. Just tell me what food. you want. I'll make exactly. it for you. I'll yeah. make it for you, and that's it. You know, but that's something to think about. The app. Um, I thought about it. Yeah. But let's see what happens. I mean, we don't know what we know what the future holds for us with this whole pandemic, and hopefully. Um, Things get better, you know. I feel I really feel bad for restaurants that are going down. It, it hurts me. It really yeah. hurts. It's like it's a rough situation. Yeah. With are you are you a drinker at all? A drinker? Yeah. You have some drinks. Yeah, of course. There's like an there's an argument out there about the whole pisco being whether it's Peruvian or Chilean. Or <laughs> it's Peruvian, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. it, that's it. Hands down. Uh, oddly enough, they're not allowed to label on the bottles any indication of where it's from. They can't label which country it is really? to aid in that argument at all or to, I guess, stifle the argument in a certain direction, which is odd enough. That is odd. Uh, years ago, I was working in a college bar, and I knew nothing about cocktails, really. I was just slinging beers and Whatever. making Jack and Cokes <laughs> and vodka sodas for the girls. Just, and, just uh, to clarify, he still doesn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, he with still that thinks said, he can make a good cocktail with blue cheese and scotch. <laughs> with that said, she came in, the girl came in, she said, I want a Pisco Sour. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because she saw the bottle behind my head. I don't know why we even had it in that bar. The reps must have been like, here, take this bottle. Yeah, you'll sell it. Yeah, you bought six of something else. Yeah. So sure enough, she was like, grab an egg. And I was like, 
look around where we are. I don't have an egg available. I had to go downstairs to the kitchen. I had to go into the actual uh, fridge, pull out an egg, came back up. She had really sharp nails. She stabbed the top of it, cracked a hole in it. That way the egg, egg whites come out. wouldn't yeah. come out, but the whites would, correct? She had she me was making like, this. She was drink. like a pro. She yeah, that was a pro move. <laughs> no, man. There has never been a better moment where a girl taught me something in my life where I was just like, all right, you know, you yeah, got yeah. this going. Is this a drink that you drink, the Pisco Sour? Um, not a big fan, honestly, but it's good, though. It's a good drink. What's your uh, go-to? Yeah. Um, uh, I like beer. I'm an IPA guy. Okay. But, um, but if not, I, I mean, I, I drink whatever. Whatever's available. I mean, really. I'm not, I'm not really picky. Oh, it's I'm li- a beer it's guy. liquid. I'm drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really that picky. But uh, the Pisco Sour, it's a good drink. Um, that's more like a, a, a girly drink. Girls really like that. That's why. Maybe that's why that girl came in there and... I'm so Got glad I didn't start this off. <laughs> so glad I didn't start this off with Pisco Sour is my favorite drink. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What's the future going to hold here now with the truck going forward? We have winter time coming. Um, I mean, I've been open about two years and a half. I open in the winter and yeah. we're pretty busy. It's not as busy as the spring summer, but, you know, we get through. We get through. And, you know, like I said, I, you know, we make we make good money in the spring summer so we can save for those cold, rainy days. Um but yeah, we're we're pretty busy. I, I like to during the winter I make soups and um stews. Nice. Mm. So that kinda pulls that other crowd also. You know, if you have yeah. a place in the wintertime in the northeast, you have to make soups in you your restaurant or you're not getting cold. people coming yeah. to it. Correct. Exactly. I fully agree. Is there a uh, Peruvian twist on clam chowder coming this winter? Uh well we do. We have it's called uh chupe. Chupe de camarón. Okay. Or or but I, I never did I never you did, did like a clam. clam. So that's a shrimp one. But there's a shrimp one, yeah. It's yeah. a shrimp chowder that we make. What do you put in it? So that has um, it has cream. Uh, either you could do all seafood or just shrimps, mm-hmm. and it has a, a um, an herb called wakatai. Uh, it's very very pungent. It's a really good flavor that it gives to it. What can you compare it to? Maybe m- mint, like cilantro. Mint got married, maybe or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But uh, wakatai. If you if you Google it, maybe you'll get more info. I'm not you know yeah. the best to describe it, but it's a very good flavor that it gives. Interesting. And ahi panka, like I said, that smoky flavor um, is the base of most of the cooking. That pepper, that, that puree, like that. I definitely have to come by and get some chowder this winter. Oh, definitely. Um, people keep asking, but I was like, wait till it gets a little colder. <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting there. Are you utilizing at all the Uber Eats to aid in sales at this nah. point? Is that something you even want to try going into the winter where it no, does slow because, down? No, because, um, well, I, I know because, you know, they're charging a little extra for that. They want like, I don't know, I've heard mixed reviews about 30% or whatever it is. So obviously you got to raise your prices. Yep. People don't like that. But I'm, like I said, I'm too busy to have another, like, if I have Uber Eats, I'm done. I'll, I'll drown. I'll drown <laughs> back there. So I wouldn't, that's why I want to do it. It's a great idea. If I have a restaurant, oh man, I'll have, you know, them all. I'll have the app, Uber Eats. No, no, don't. Whatever. <laughs> Justin is staunchly against it. Very staunchly against Delivery, to, you know, but. We're trying to get rid of the apps. Get them <laughs> yeah. out. Get them out. I, I guess keep it easy. Like I said, I'm old school. Come to the truck, pick up your, you know, order your food, pick up your food and enjoy. You know, that's it. Circling back to what I said like 25 minutes ago <laughs> about the kid that was looking to tutor more. You just triggered it when you said I'm old school. Yeah. And that also was hand in hand with what we were just talking about. Instagram not really propelling you forward is that sometimes the old school stuff works the best. And nice. I told him, I said, did you post some flyers in Starbucks? They'll, you talk to the manager, they'll let you put something right on the wall. And he was like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. 
<laughs> because we're so trained to just think that the only way that we could talk to people is through social media at this point, yeah. which isn't really true at all because you've got that whole other percentage of people that have no idea how to work a computer. They've got yeah, money in their Instagram. back pocket and they want to yeah. spend it as well. Yeah. Where could they find you? Uh, so we're at Lions Park Wednesday through Friday, 12 to 4, and then Saturday, Sunday, 1 to 5. Give them the website so these guys could so, check out what, what you're doing out there. Definitely. It's uh, latusianfoodtruck.com. If not, you can go on Instagram, Latusian Food Truck also. And Same you... thing for Facebook. Um, on Inst- I, I mean, I really work with Instagram a lot because um, you, you're going to see all my pictures of my food. Um, on very the website. nice looking pictures, too. Thank you. Appreciate that. Colorful. Yeah, I try to make yeah. it colorful. You know, just do whatever you can do. Just when you eat with your eyes. So Absolutely. when you see those colors and you see those videos, you're like, you're wow. like, what the fuck is that? What is that? Like, I, I need to try be there. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's exactly um, yeah. how I feel. You could uh, reach out, reach out to us. I mean, we um, we cater. We we can bring the truck to your house. Um, you know, holidays are coming, so ask us. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Fabian Marquez. Guys, if you enjoyed that interview, don't forget to smash the like and subscribe button because you know algorithms.